Well, good morning. Welcome to ABC. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really glad you're here with us to participate uh, in our message that's coming up just in a minute here in the book of Philippians as Pastor Tom shares. Before we jump into that, I wanted to share a couple quick things. Uh, firstly, in just two weeks, um, our middle school and our high school ministry is having their fall kickoff which is taking place here on campus Tuesday night, August 24th, and Wednesday night, August 25th, um, for middle school and high school respectively. And if you've got high school students or middle school students, send them on down. We'd love to have them back here on campus at ABC. It's gonna be a great time as we kick off the fall season of ministry here. I also wanna mention that on Sunday, August 29th, uh, will be Pastor Tom's final sermon as our senior pastor here at ABC. Um, yes, he is officially retiring that weekend, and we are going to throw a party uh, for he and his wife, Gail, and the Farrell family. Um, that night at 5 p.m., we're going to have a barbecue off campus here. If you'd like some information about that and you haven't received that yet, give us a call at the church office. We'll make sure you get all the information for uh, August 29th barbecue celebration celebrating Pastor Tom Farrell's uh, retirement, August 29th. And then uh, just a couple of weeks later, actually maybe about a week later, we're starting a Financial Peace University class um, on September 8th. We have a whole list of eight-week classes we're going to be offering in the fall, but this one starts first. And if you're interested in getting some resources, maybe some tools, walking through budgeting process and whatnot, um, we would love to have you join our Financial Peace class. And so you can get more information about that on our website. And finally, I am excited to let you know that on Sunday, September 5th, it's Labor Day weekend, uh, we are relaunching our 8 o'clock service, and uh, we'll be having kids ministry during the 9 o'clock and the 1045 service starting that Sunday. Um, we, we did announce, you might have heard, that we were going to move both of the 9 and the 1045 services indoors. And based on some things happening in our environment and community right now, um, and also overwhelming feedback we heard from our church body about the appreciation for our outdoor service, we are going to keep the 9 o'clock service outside for the time being. Um, and we think that's a great way to continue offering some options. So you can choose if you want to go to the 9 or the 1045. But again, there will be kids ministry at both services. So whichever service you would choose to attend, um, you can make sure your kids get signed up for kids ministry to participate for elementary services and early childhood services during that time. Thank you so much again for joining us. Have a wonderful Sunday and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you here soon. Well, we're in the last two weeks of our letter to the Philippians. The Apostle Paul's trying to kind of land this plane, um, trying to say goodbye. And I don't know about you, but uh, I don't like goodbyes. Uh, goodbyes are so hard for me and, uh, and for the Apostle Paul too. He's, he's trying to figure out, how do I bring this thing to a conclusion? And have you ever uh, said goodbye to somebody and, and you wanted to say a few things you know, and you wanted to make sure you didn't forget. And then you go away from that conversation and you think, ah, oh, shoot, I forgot to say this. I meant to say this before I said goodbye and I didn't remind them of this. Now, for us, it's not as big a deal anymore because we can text, right? We can call them, we can do that. But for the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter. It's going to be hand carried. It's going to take them literally, you know, weeks, if not a month to get the letter. He's trying to figure out, is there anything else I need to say to them? And so this is kind of one of those one more thing letters. One last thing I want to say uh, to them. And, uh, and so what he had 
said last week that we saw from Jeff is, is he said, listen, I, I want you guys to know what the secret to contentment is. And the secret to contentment is giving. You know, and, and again, it's a little counterintuitive, but we, we learned about that last week. And, uh, and so he's going to just kind of give them this one last thing that he wants to remind them of that's going to help them kind of navigate their lives. And we benefit from that today. We're going to be able to see that one last thing. Now, now, let's just be reminded again. I know we've said it many times, but he's under house arrest. Uh, he is very restricted in terms of his activities, the things that he can do, the places that he can go. In fact, he's under house arrest, so he can't go really anywhere. Uh, and so the point is this. He can't do the things that he loves the most. What does he love the most? He loves spending time with people, discipleship, and preaching. And he can't do those two things. And so think of it as being quarantined. Paul is under quarantine. And so what does he do? He does what he can. He takes this time and uses it in a valuable way to write this letter to the Philippians. And what he says in this amazing letter as we look at it, and we're trying to kind of wrap up this whole, this whole series in the book of Philippians, what's amazing about this letter is even though he is in quarantine, right? He's in, under house arrest, okay? Even though he's there, 11 times he says the word rejoice. How is it possible that when you are so restricted from the things that you love to do the most, that you could have this attitude that he does of rejoicing? And he said, you know what? I learned it. I learned it the hard way, which, by the way, is the way most of us learn our lessons. Isn't it true that we learn most things in terms of indelibly learn those things the hard way? He, he goes, you know, I've learned over time. And certainly with the restrictions, the constrictions that I have right now, I've learned the secret of rejoicing in all circumstances. Big picture. What is it? 30,000 foot view. What is it, Paul, that, that helps you navigate these difficult things in your life, including this house arrest that you're currently under? And I really believe it's this, that he learned that God is in control of everything. And that not only did he learn it, but he actually really believed it. And that his joy came from this knowledge. In other words, knowing that our loving Father is working, as he said in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that we many of us know well, that he's working all things together for good, for our good, to those called according to his purpose. In other words, God's kids can be assured that God is working things out. And he's also learned this, that, that, that Christ is adequate for any and all things that that I encounter in my life. That's what the Apostle Paul's saying. This, this lesson that he has learned through time and through trials and through difficulties and all began to impact him in such a way that he wanted to share that with others. You know, as he, as he was trying to write this letter, I said, I, I need these guys to get it. I, I need them to understand something. Uh, this is, in a sense, kind of a thank you note back to the Philippians for them giving to him, and we're going to see that in a minute. But what he really wants them to know is that God's going to supply all their needs. Everything that they need, God is going to supply for them. This church, this church at Philippi, was one of the most amazing churches because it was a missions church. 
It was a missions-oriented church, and it was a strategic investing church. It invested strategically in arguably the greatest missionary of all time, the Apostle Paul, and they knew something about this. They, they said, you know, if we invest in this guy, we're going to get to see the gospel advance. So they were willing to do so. And, of course, the Apostle Paul, we're going to see next week, super excited <laughs> about the fact that he got to go to Rome, right? He always wanted to go to Rome, and he got to go to Rome. And we're going to talk about that in the very final message that Jeff's going to bring next week. But uh, this, this mentality of this congregation, we're going to get, be able to see here. And we'll begin with verse 14 of chapter 4. Look what it says here. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. Okay. You yourselves know, also know, Philippians, that in the first preaching of the gospel after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in this manner of giving and receiving but you alone. For evil in Thessalonica, you you sent a gift more than once for my needs. Not that I seek the gift itself, and here's the key here, okay? It's, it's not simply about receiving the gift, but I seek for the profit which increases to your account. Verse 17, fascinating verse, okay? He's talking about a profit here and the increase to their account. Verse 18, but I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am amply supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you have sent, a fragrant aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Again, Old Testament language of, of an amazing sacrifice, a pleasing to the Lord. Verse 19, and my God, here it is, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. I think really a, a verse we need to understand, a verse we need to underline. Verse 19, God will supply your needs, okay? Now to our God and our Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Um, again, think of this as a thank you note. Think of this as a goodbye. He's trying to sum everything up. Uh, he wants them to understand something. And, and he's saying, I'm so grateful for what you did for me. Um, and I'm super, super appreciative. I want to send a thank you note. And that's essentially what he did. You know, uh, when I was growing up, my grandmother, um, she, when they would give gifts at, we'd actually have our Christmas kind of at Thanksgiving. They lived in Oregon. They would come to California when we moved to California. Uh, and they would they would give kind of the Christmas gifts and stuff kind of at Thanksgiving time, you know, for us. It's kind of an interesting Thanksgiving. And, uh, and uh, because uh, they would go back and they would spend Christmas at their own home. And so one of the things that became clear immediately was that my grandmother expected a thank you note. And uh, if we didn't write a thank you note, almost immediately we would get a letter from her indicating that she had yet to receive the thank you note. And I was the youngest of three children, uh, so it was a lot harder for me. I wasn't great at writing, certainly wasn't great at spelling. And so I'd write my little thank you note, send it off, and many times I'd get it back later with the corrections uh, to my thank you note, which was a little disheartening to me. It was kind of embarrassing. Uh, I've never been a great speller. I'm still not a great speller, thank goodness for spell check, right? So uh, anyway, it was really a hard thing. So I found myself kind of being a little bit resentful 
of it. But I got to say that uh, being well, uh, you know, into my later years of life now, uh, the perspective I have gained is a great deal of appreciation for, for that, for what she even taught me in, in saying thank you. Uh, I personally appreciate now uh, people who write thank you notes and, and, and all of that. And so the Apostle Paul is, is really grateful. He's got this thank you note that he's sending off to this church, which is really cool. And yet in that, it's a very unique thank you note, because in his thank you note, he's still trying to teach them a lesson, and it's a lesson of generosity. Okay, Paul had learned generosity, and that generosity, as we saw last week, was a key to contentment. See, most of us think if we, if we can just get this or we can just get that, then we're going to be happy. It's insatiable. You're never going to be happy by acquiring possessions. It just won't happen. And so the secret that Paul revealed and Jeff shared so well last week was that, in fact, when you give, uh, you have a greater sense of contentment in your life. And he's, just like Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And so what Paul's saying here is not that I seek the gift itself, but I seek the fruit, which is an increase of credit to your account. He knows from experience this to be true. The Apostle Paul was a strategic investor, and he was looking for a return or profit, in a sense, on his investment, which the Bible calls and he calls fruit. We think of it today maybe as interest. And what Paul's saying here is, 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 is I don't desire the capital. It's not the investment itself, the initial investment itself. But what I'm looking for is the return on investment or the interest that you gain over time. The rate of return. Think of it that way. What is the rate of return on your investment? Paul says, hey, Philippians, you're amazing. I want to maximize your rate of return. It's growth for the kingdom of God. How do you make your account grow? Paul is like a spiritual, financial consultant maximizing their return. What's interesting about this church is it wasn't that they were a rich church. They weren't. In fact, we know they gave out of their poverty, not out of their excess. God is so pleased when people give from their first and not their last. Not because they're rich, but because of their heart. God really wants for us to understand this principle, this principle of generosity. Generosity pleases God because he's our heavenly father. God is so happy when we share what we have with others. It's just like a parent, you know, or, or a grandparent. Parent, what's one of the greatest things in terms of what you love to see with your kids. You know, we try to teach our children to share. But do you remember, parents, for those of you who are parents, do you remember that time perhaps when, when your child shared with a sibling voluntarily? What a proud moment that was. You saw them. They had an excess maybe in a sense. Or they, had more, they had more than the other child has. They look at the other child, their sibling, and they, they just on their own, share with their brother or their sister. That is the proudest moment. We are so happy as parents or as grandparents when we see it, you know. That's exactly what God feels when we share. 
You know, it's not because we have so much, but what we have, whatever we have, whatever God has provided for us to not hang on like this, but open our hands and share it with others. It's an amazing principle. It's what Paul says, I want you guys to get this. I'm super grateful. Thank you for the gift. I mean, when I was in Thessalonica, you were amazing to me. Thank you again for that gift. I want to thank you again for that. But here's the thing. What I know from experience is that those gifts that you've been giving, they're credited to your account. You're going to be better off because of it. Todd Ellefson, our missionary that was recently here, talking about one of the amazing church plant movements in all of history that's taking place right now, uh, talked about how they, in the midst of COVID, the people that he's ministering to are very susceptible from a health standpoint to COVID. And the reason, a lot of the reason is just because of their diet. That's a high starch diet, low protein. Uh, they tend to struggle a lot like most of the third world uh, with, uh, with type two diabetes and high blood pressure and all kinds of things. People with high blood pressure we know are more susceptible to COVID. So they're seeing a huge impact they have an amazing movement among among Muslims, but but they see this this huge impact, and yet there's devastating results from the disease, and so including taking out some key leadership. And when I say taking out, I mean literally, they're 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 dying, and 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 continually needing to replace themselves with other leaders. And so this discipleship process they have in place, it's working. But I was talking to him about this just a few weeks ago actually a couple of weeks ago now, and, and he said, you know what's amazing is that we've been teaching them about generosity, and so the result of that is that in the midst of this pandemic, the movement is being sustained by their own giving. They understand this principle, and they're willing to share what little they have. And I'm, when I say little, I mean little. They have been so impacted, specifically you know, in areas where tourism is really important to the economies of some of these places. It's gone. And yet, in the midst of all of that, they are sharing and, uh, and uh, seeing a, an amazing result of um, the movement continuing on in spite of a lack of resourcing that we would normally think of from traditional places. Kind of reminds me of Jesus, you know. Jesus sat down across from the treasury watching people give their gifts. And do you remember the one that he commended? Was it the one who gave the largest gift? Answer, no. It was the one who gave the smallest gift. In fact, she was a widow, the widow's might. You might remember that. And he says, truly, I say to you, she's given more than all of the others put together. It's an amazing principle. It's not the amount. It's the spirit. God understands that. Paul understood that. Paul wanted to teach that. And one of the last things that he wanted them to understand is that generosity, being generous, is a key to fulfillment in your life and the advancement of the kingdom of God. And so God wants us to get that. You know, God loves a cheerful giver. It's all about the heart. God loves it because this is the way he gives. The reason that God loves a cheerful giver is because God is a cheerful giver. The reason that God loves generosity is because God is generous. And when we give, not out of our excess, even sometimes out of our poverty, when we give, then verse 19 is a promise to us, Philippians 4:19, and my God will supply 
every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Something I want you to understand from a con from the context of the Bible itself, this promise is for givers. This is not a promise for non-givers. This is a promise for people who give generosity. God is saying this, when you give generously, I will give to you in return. Sometimes people take this as a promise for everyone. You know, it doesn't matter who they are, anybody who's a Christian, God's going to provide. You know, God's going to provide everything you need. But what the Bible teaches is this, give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. It is a biblical principle, you know, that when we give, God meets our needs. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, it says, Freely you have received, freely give. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. For by the standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. This is such a true principle. It's, and, and it's something that I believe that Paul wanted to pass on to these people. And it's something that generationally we need to pass on to multiple generations as well. Uh, Gail and I both came from homes with parents who were believers and who were extremely generous. Uh, speaking for, for my parents, I'll never forget when I was 10 years old in a class, kind of like a confirmation class in the church that I was attending, having the pastor look at me and say to me, Tom, uh, your parents are two of the most generous people in our church, to which I was astounded. I, I couldn't believe that because in the little court that I lived in, you know, that I lived on, everybody in our court had two cars but us. We had one car. <laughs> My mom would walk three blocks every morning to catch a carpool to go to work at Sylvania where she worked. My dad worked as a postal uh, person. And so my opinion of our family based upon the resources that I was aware of, I, I, I didn't think we were poor, poor, but I sure didn't think we were rich in any sense. See, it wasn't out of the abundance, but it was the priority. And later in life, uh, as I saw my dad and mom's generosity, uh, and then certainly at the end of their lives, taking over their finances and having more direct access to, to know kind of where the funds went and those kinds of things, I was astounded at their generosity. And, and what's been amazing about that now is it didn't hurt them in any way. In fact, it did exactly running over. They're, they When they died, they had an estate that benefits not only my family but multiple generations you know it just it just an, it's an amazing thing it's an amazing principle from very humble people and so Gail and I have tried to practice these principles 
in our lives. And time and time again, when we've made sacrificial commitments to the Lord, uh, particularly the multiple building programs that ABC's been through these last 37 years of ministry, we've been through four major capital fundraising campaigns of which we've provided lead gifts and, and faith-based gifts and those kinds of things. I can remember one campaign where we, uh, Gail wasn't working, she didn't have a business, it was my single income, we made a pledge that was over and above our tithing it was, it was, in a sense, just a God-sized, you know, belief. Uh, we didn't have any idea, ultimately, how we were going to meet those needs. We didn't have a lot of excess resources at that time. And literally made the pledge, and that week, my aunt and uncle, who are fairly well off, okay, had never given us anything in the past. Out of the blue, my aunt asks me if I'd like to have her old car she's going to get a new car. Well, her old car was a Lexus. <laughs> it had 70,000 miles on it. It allowed for us to not only receive that car, but to sell the car we had so that we were able to meet 25% of our pledge immediately. You cannot outgive God. Time and time again, as we have sacrificed, God has met our needs in an amazing way. I'd like to think that our children are getting that lesson too. Uh, I'll never forget in 2008, a report came out from ABC News that the then presidential vice president candidates, charitable giving was revealed in their tax records. And basically over a decade, he had averaged $369 a year. I remember it because my daughter had just been married, okay, in 2007. She had completed college. Her husband was going back to college. They were living off of her income. And in my mind, I said, you know what? My daughter and her husband, okay, probably gave more this year than that person gave over a decade. How is that possible? You know what? When you give from the first, not the last, when you practice the biblical principle of tithing, um, you know, you can do things that are remarkable. And here's that's amazing is that God has provided for their family in an amazing way too. God is faithful. You cannot outgive God. And so what Paul's saying here is thank you so much for your gift. But I want you to know God will meet every need. Uh, three simple things. Here's number one. God is always our source, okay? God is the source. He, he, he is. And when he says, my God, okay, will supply your need, it's personal. My God will supply your need. Why? Because we are his kids. And God takes care of his kids. But the limit is our need, okay? So this is a qualifier in a sense, okay? It is limited to our need, not our every want. In fact, when we give our children their every want, what do we do? We spoil them. But when we give them their needs, you know, it, it's a different deal, right? Listen, God is not Santa Claus. And we need to remember that. And so, so often our wants are so far beyond our actual needs. And what Paul is saying is this, that you know what? I have learned over time uh, to, to be content uh, with food and clothing. Uh, but but <laughs> what's amazing, you know, when he said, you know, 
when he says in, in the last chapter, or in, in chapter 4, verse 12, what he says is, I've learned how to get along with humble means and with prosperity. We, Jeff talked about it, touched on it last week. But here's the thing. When you never have much, that's all you know, right? You can get along with what you know. But here's what Paul's saying. No, I, I've actually learned to live on a lot, but then I've gone to a place where I've had to learn how to live on a little, and I've learned the secret of being content after having a lot, living on a little. Have you had that experience? Some of you have. Where before you had a lot, and due to circumstances that you're aware of, and certainly God's aware of, you've had to live on a little. How did you do with that? How did you deal with that? Paul says, I know how to live in any and every circumstance. You know, with food and clothing, be content. And what Paul's saying here is, is what he wants to leave them with is this promise, the Lord will supply your needs. See, here's the faith point. If we don't get it, God does not think we need it. <laughs> think about that for a minute. The thing that we want, the thing that we think we need, if God doesn't provide it for us, then guess what? God must not think we actually need it. And that's why we don't get it. Sometimes God will use a pruning in our life, right? To refine us, to grow us into the person that he wants us to be. And sometimes that pruning includes a withholding for a season in our lives. And Paul says, I'm okay with that. Because God is the one who supplies. He's the one who provides. And then this says this, the, the supply is in Christ according to his riches. You know, when you think about the riches of Christ, you know, uh, how rich is Christ? The riches of Christ, it'd be pretty rich, right? So, uh, you know, we kind of think of it in terms of people that we know that are rich, uh, like a Bill Gates or somebody like that, you know, and, and, and this says it's according to the riches of Christ. Let me give you an illustration. Let's say that you had a charitable organization you petitioned the Bill Gates Foundation, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, uh, when they, when they were together. And, um, and they agreed that they were going to give something to your charity. Would you be excited? You'd be ecstatic. You know? And so let's just say that they, they broke out the checkbook and you got a letter from them. We're happy to help you in your endeavor. And they wrote you a check for $1,000. <laughs> How would you feel? You'd be pretty disappointed, wouldn't you? Did they give out of their riches? Yes. Did they give according to their riches? No. Right? Jesus gives according to his riches. He will meet our need, not our wants, according to his riches. And sometimes the way that God works in our lives Sometimes the very things that we get from God are, are, are things that, that, that we just wouldn't normally think would be very good. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I take the thorn in the flesh that God gave me that I ask him to remove. Ultimately, I take it as a blessing because I learned a couple of great lessons through that. And that is that God's grace is sufficient for me. Okay, even though it didn't go away, even though I still had the thorn in the flesh, God's grace is sufficient for me. And the other thing is, is that I've learned to identify with the suffering of Christ. And for that, I'm super grateful. When I've gone through adversity, when I've gone through physical pain, when I've gone through difficulty, my appreciation for what Jesus Christ did for me is even greater. Friends, 
What Paul wants for all of us is spiritual blessing, spiritual riches. He wants them to be applied to our account. You know, what's the greatest gift that we can receive beyond salvation? One last thing, one last thing I want to remind you, Paul's saying, God is in control. God will be, meet all your needs when you're generous. Live a generous lifestyle so that you can receive from God everything that he has in store for you. You're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to be happy in your life by getting and accumulating. That's what the world says. It's empty. You're going to find satisfaction in your life by being generous in any and all circumstances. Learn the secret, okay, of a fulfilling life by being generous. And God, he will provide all of your needs. Are you struggling today? Is there something today even that you feel like you you, you really need, hey, listen, God, who is a loving Father, will meet every need that you have. Don't allow your lack to prevent you from being generous. And it's not just money, friends. It's time, talent, and treasure. There's lots of ways in which we can be generous with everything that God has given us. God says that's the way to live your life if you want to find fulfillment. Let's pray. Father, I just want to Thank you for this amazing letter to the Philippians as we wrap it up next week. The one last thing, you know, that Paul, Paul wants us to know is that, that you are a loving Father who will supply all of our needs. God, I just want to say this, you know, forgive us, uh, for, forgive us for our, our, our attitudes at times that, that, that um, rather than see our blessings in our lives, God, um, so many times we look at the things that we don't have and sometimes even our hearts get hard. God, you are the potter, we are the clay. Forgive us for when we complain about what you're doing in our lives. We don't want to be unbelievers or act like unbelievers. God, I pray that our faith might grow, that we might mature, that we might uh, learn to rejoice always. And that, God, we would be people who live a lifestyle of generosity. Because after all, you've given us all things. Uh, you are an amazing God. And we just thank you for that. And Lord, again, I just ask for any person here today, perhaps even listening to this, that has yet to place their faith in you. It all begins with that. God, it all begins with the relationship with you. And we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we say it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have an amazing week.